wife says this all the time, elk are where you find them. All I'm telling you is that it's an odds game. And I choose to play the odds. We've upped our game with technology, but they've upped their game. And it's evident by success rates. They really have not changed. All these things start to add up. And when you do those things, the odds start stacking in your favor. But when you focus only on one thing or a few things, you're not stacking the odds. Nobody's ever done that. Like when you see comparisons, they're always done by the company, right? But this is a third-party analysis of all of the major hunting apps. The hunt plan's helping us. The zones of pressure analysis is helping us. One of them is not winning the game. It takes the whole team. It's like a team sport. The quarterback ain't going to win it. My name is Mark Livesey with Treeline Pursuits, and I'm down here in Utah with the Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal, but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I'd have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So jumping right into it today, still here at Western, I keep wanting to say Western Hunting Summit. I, all, I know. Because it's, it's, I've been so involved in that, and we're like kicking so much of it off. It's been in my head, but we're at Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, Expo that's right. in Salt Lake. Um and, uh, yeah, got the background noise, got uh, all kinds of great people hanging out, uh, and we have him back. I think it's what? It's been, has it been two years? It's well since we were at the... Yeah, because it wasn't this last Western Hunting no, Summit, but the one we, before. We were in the so, basement yeah. of the archery shop, we were doing it in the 
like one of the shooting rooms. Yeah, 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 yeah we were, yeah, we were heading off in the shooting room in, in the uh, lanes. And they, we, I remember we had to end it because they were kicking us out. Yeah, taking so long. Well, they were doing a elk calling or demonstration or something. Like, who knows? Yeah. Like I just remember, like I, no, I think that was the night they were they were literally trying to shut down the building. Yeah, and, okay. oh, and we yeah, had recorded okay, okay, for okay. so long. That was a pretty good podcast. That was a that pretty was a good one podcast. Oh man, lots changed since then though. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I got my first elk. Yeah. Um. That was yeah. No, and uh, it's, uh, I mean, Treeline Academy's been really taken well, off, I just, man. I was just kind of kicking things off when we talked. You, you were yeah, kind think... of one of my first, I mean, we talk, I've talked about it on a few podcasts before yeah. then, but we we kind of dove into things kind of really early stages. Oh, yeah. And so I don't think you, I, don't I think, I think I you were still releasing. Yet. No, it was, it had, no, it, it was about to launch. Yeah. Like, it hadn't launched when we recorded. When right. the podcast came out, it had launched. Okay. I, it was and early. you still hadn't, like, you were still working on a few more modules, right. and they were coming out. Right. And, that took me another, you know, six months to get that done. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's you know, I, I don't want to say it's done, because I just added some stuff this week. You know, I'm going to be adding, continually, add, it's not a subscription-type service, but it is something that I have a passion for. And when I uncover new stuff, mm-hmm. I'm putting it in there. Like, I just did a whole new Google Earth KML shapefile geek out on everything Google Earth module oh, yeah. that I'm getting ready to put up. It's two hours on how to use all of the third party data files with Google Earth. Well, mm-hmm. some people are like, yeah, I'm not interested in that. But there's some guys that they like, they're geeked out on an elk hunting. Or, um, and one thing else, Sam, that I've figured out is I'm getting a lot more experienced elk hunters taking my course. Than mm-hmm. I thought. I originally thought it would be more people that are kind of getting into it, more entry level, maybe a couple years. But what I'm finding is a lot of guys have been hunting out for a while. Maybe they're not having the success that they want to have, or maybe they just want to fine tune some of the things they're doing. Maybe they don't feel like they're reaching their full potential, not using all the tools. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're one dimensional, like I talk about. Maybe they're like they only use on X or they only use Guy or they only use whatever platform they're using. Doesn't matter, but that's all they use. Yeah, and they don't see see a reason or a benefit to explore some of the other tools that are available or why they even would. What what features would they have? Aren't they all the same? I hear that all the time. Oh, yeah. And so I have been surprised at how many more intermediate, quote, advanced level guys I'm talking to. Well, I think so often it's like, okay, you know, we know what to look for generally for train features and this and that. You know the basics that you've learned since, you know, the first day somebody taught you how to or where how you to found look for help. Yeah. And I think so often it's like, okay, yeah, I know these basics, but it, a lot of it just feels more like luck. And then, you know, what do I do, you know, if somebody else is in my spot? Do I, I you know, I may have kind of got some backups, but I've never really seen elk there. And it like, it almost feels more like, yeah, I made a plan, but I'm still relying on about 60% luck. That's right. Well, you know? And I think they want to, it's like hard to get past that yeah, point. I um, agree with that. So, the, you know, I, today we're at the Peaks booth here at the Expo, and we I gave a presentation earlier, and I was talking to this guy. I'm just continually surprised how many guys don't put together a hunt plan. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got a few waypoints on their, on their whatever app. And they, they kind of know where they're going. They know where they're going to park. And they've got some waypoints up there on the hill. And that's about all they got. And and by and by uh, some guys, he's re- he's referring to me. Oh, well. <laughs> Now, come on. You know better. You I, I know. Talk. I so, know. But like you said, back up. So let's just use that scenario you had. So you go to spot A, and it's 
there's either no elk there, you're not finding elk, or there's people that, whatever the case is, it's not working out. Well, if you don't really have another spot really fleshed out, and you got two days of your hunt left or three days of your hunt left, you're probably just going to suck it up and go back and just keep not seeing elk. Yeah. But if you already had it worked out, you already had the downloads on your phone, you already had notes, you already knew where to park, you already knew how long it was going to take you to drive over there, you're familiar with the area, you wouldn't even hesitate to jump in your car, drive over there, and be packed in the same day, know exactly where you're going to start, and have some ideas. Now, Mm -hmm. there may not be elk there, too. But, but you have a you have a scenario already worked out and you're ready to put into place, and then if that one doesn't work out, you've got a third one or a fourth one. Now, if you're on a five day hunt, you don't have time to work through three to five options. Let's be honest. But if you're on a seven to ten day hunt, you realistically should have at least three mm-hmm. good solid areas. I, so, I mean, and I like to think I'm pretty good at this. Two years ago, I drove into the Missouri River Breaks in Montana. I had this spot, and there was a road washed out. And it was the only road in there. It was kind of a long, you mm-hmm. know, BLM road, 20 miles from where we were going to go. Oh. Well, our whole hunt plan was out the window, bam, and we had to move to, to plan two. Plan two didn't work out all that great. wasn't that awesome. So we moved to plan three. So just in the matter of two to three days, we were on plan number three. Just because of one was situational, two was we made the decision to move because it just we weren't glassing up the deer we wanted to see. Yeah, quality, whatever. So, and the other guys, you know, they're like, "Well, let's run into town. I got to get online, download some maps, or sit on the side of the road, hold your phone out the window till you get find a couple that one bars. spot." Yeah, and guys, we wait three hundred sixty-five days a year to do this. We love it, right? We love being in the mountains. We love chasing out. Don't waste your time. Don't let a day go by that you're not. You can go 10 days without seeing an elk. But don't let it be 10 days of frustration where you don't know what you're doing or where you're at. Hunt with purpose. Hunt with meaning. Hunt with intent. And your odds are sky. Even though you may not kill an elk that year, your odds are going to start just climbing the ladder. And But if you start going up early, you start just... Sucking it up, staying in the same spot, not seeing out, putting up with people in your area that there's too many people or whatever the case may be. It's not an odds multiplier. It's an odds decreaser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and so we're getting we're getting into the time of year, you know, we're putting in for tags. We're putting in, you know, figuring out our, figuring out our spots, all of that stuff. But, um, you know, so I, and, and so I get it. Like, people are going to make be like, okay, you know, it's put in for these tags. I don't know if I'm going to get them. I'm going to... You know, wait to wait to build my hunt plan until I've got at least know where I'm hunting. I get that. Yeah. But like for a lot of us, I know I'm going to be hunting Montana. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a resident there now. That's where I'm going to be hunting. There's no reason for me not to start in on on the prep work and all of that for my hunt plan. So I'm glad you said that because here's one of the things. A lot of guys start like my number one course selling months is July and August. <laughs> I wish it was not. Because here's the thing, one of the best, if you want to take anything away from this podcast, one of the best tactics, let's not talk about elk finding features, let's not talk about anything other than the more time you spend looking at your area, the more time you're combing over aerial photos, maps, whatever your choice of media is, the more, I say this all the time, the more historical knowledge you're banking, 
And when you show up in your spot, it's almost like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. But when you cram this in two weeks before the haunt, you're not gaining historic. You might have some details. You might have your specifics worked out. But you don't really know the names of every ridge. You don't really know the names of all the drainages and the creeks. And you're not really familiar. You're not really studied the surrounding area. And, and people are like, well, I don't know how important that is. And by itself, it's not a game changer. But earlier today, I talked about odds multiplication. And in the course, that's all I talk about, odds multiplication. You have to do everything to increase your odds. And looking at your hunt plan all year long, I mean, I'm sorry, but looking at your area kind of all year long, kind of looking at different areas, that by itself is not much of an odds. But you couple that with a good hunt plan. You couple that with good, solid e-scouting tactics. You, pre, you pre-proof your glassing spots. All these things start to add up. And when you do those things, the odds start stacking in your favor. Mm-hmm. But when you focus only on one thing or a few things, you just, you're not stacking the odds. And so we all know, you've looked at the numbers, the average DIY elk hunter, less than 10%. Because you think about like guys like Ryan Lampers. He kills elk every freaking year. He's in that 10%. Yeah. So you're not. <laughs> so that 10% is not 10% anymore, right? So you got guys that kill. You got Brian Barney, Ryan Lampers. You got these guys that kill elk every single year. Guys, they're shrinking that 10% success rate. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the stats, you can't really say that's the number. Because you got to take out all the superstars and all the freaking badasses. Yeah. And once you take them out, you don't want to probably know the number. <laughs> and you've got to turn that number up. And the only way to turn that number up, in my mind, is to increase your odds. And that comes to stacking these factors. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's, I mean, it's the benefits of knowing that area. I mean, are, they're countless. Because it's not only knowing where you can go, you know, where you can glass from, all of that. But it's that knowledge of like, okay, yeah, you see this, you see this bowl disappear in this dip in, the, in this roll. You know okay, yeah, oh, there's a little draw back yeah, there. that's right. And I can actually go around this way and get ahead of him because I guarantee he's going to be, that's where he's walking. Or there's a saddle back there. He's probably going to go through there. Exactly. And you know where the roads are. So you know, like, okay, you know what? Um, if I go this way, I'm going to get, there's, there could be people coming in from this. You kind of just have a working knowledge of your area. It's like whitetail guys, you know, with the, like I'm from Missouri, so I like to use, you know, comparisons. But you're hunting the same 40 acres that you're hunting. You know it front and back. You know yeah. every tree. You can walk your trees in the dark. And you can't do that out west, guys. It's not possible. But you can. The key is to know what the best you can. And the best you can is, like you just said, a great thing. So let's say, for example, you're you're applying for Wyoming, and you got two points, and it takes three. Well, your odds are not awesome, but... You work out a few hunt areas, you start studying it, start studying, you don't draw a tag. If you keep a good journal, I always talk about journal and notes. You put notes with your waypoints, you keep a good journal, you start writing down, and then when you do draw the tag next year, that date is ready to go. Now, if you don't keep good notes, you know, and all you do is got random default red icons on, <laughs> on, that, on it, you're like, why did I drop all the, that, those 75 icons there? But with a little bit of prep work and organizational skills, which not a big deal, You'd be surprised what it starts doing for you. Like then even the next year, and let's just say, for example, Sam, you work out five hunt plans. That's a lot, but let's say you do five. And you end up going in there, and spot number one is money. You kill a bull. It's awesome. You got four more for future years already worked mm-hmm. out. Then you just got to revisit them, refresh your memory, touch them up a little, and they're ready to put into action. 
the next year or the year after, whatever, hot play number two becomes hot play number one. Mm-hmm. And it, you're not wasting time. It, unless you plan on hunting elk just one year of your life, which I don't know many people that do that. <laughs> uh, if you're going to be a serial elk hunter like, like we all are now, you're never going to waste that time. It's not going to go to, to – uh, it's not going to be unused. And if you're a really generous guy and you're, you know, super nice – you could share that with your, you know, the, with a buddy or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Now, not many people are going to do that, but it's there, you know. And I, you know, I don't. I always like to bring that up because people are like, well, if I do four, it's God, that's a lot of work, a waste of time. If one works out, nah, maybe in the short term, yeah, but not in the long game. Elk sometimes elk hunting is the long game. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, it's ten percent success. I mean, I can I can attest to that. You were the long game. Years. You got it done. Four years, and I but got it done. you're still ahead of the average. Way it. You're twenty five percent. You're well. You killed I, it one I went year in. before you should, or two years before you should. And I and part of that is I won the uh, help from countless people in this industry and uh, a lot of information. Um, but two, uh, I went with a guide yeah. my fourth year. I drew Arizona, and I'm like, I'm oh, badass, damn guide with this. And so I, you know, I went with a buddy, and, and yeah. we had a great time. And it was more like hunting with a buddy than yeah. than a guide. But uh, you know that made you probably the difference. learned a lot there too. Well, and especially when you're dealing with the worst rut Arizona's had in yeah. 17 years, um, having a guide was really nice because yeah. I, good chance I probably would not have gotten it done without. Well, without he's help. seen bad years it may not seem the worst year but yeah he kind of knew what to do in a bad year exactly and that's so that's the thing you know one of the things kind of ties, let's say you don't so we were talking about this or a lot of guys elk hunters tell me oh man i love hunting elk on north slopes me too now do they live on other slopes yes but the odds are in september if it's warm at all north slopes are very attractive okay mm-hmm. I'll, and northeast slopes and northwest slopes South slopes, maybe, but the point is your odds are better. But I know guys that only seek out north slopes because that's just they found out there, whatever. But I'm saying, guys, you got to look at they don't go because it's north slope. They go because it's got other elk finding features. Mm-hmm. It's got the right drainage. It's got a flatter drain. It's got a bench. It's got bench area, maybe three quarters of the way up the slope. It's got the right slope degree. It's got a food source. It's got edge habitat. It might have a fire nearby. It might have. It's got the water source depending on where you're hunting. But so what you're doing is you're putting you're finding areas that have that north slope, but they also, for me, to become a candidate for a hunt area, they've got to have other factors that are contributing to that north slope. Well, it's going to have – they'll go for those features. They go for, like you said, the the um, the different – dear, wow, my brain just went full like – Dude, that's that's a, that's a, that's convention season. The uh, yeah, they go they go for the drainages and, and and the water and the food sources and and they will find the north slope that's in that area. They that's don't right. seek out the north slope specifically just because it's north. Just because it's a now, north maybe slope. Maybe a little, but it's one factor. My point yeah. is, is it's one of many factors that elk. I mean, nobody knows what they think, but based on thirty years of hunting and observation and friends like other. I'm, it's, it's pretty clear to me that they tend to prefer that in certain areas, but th- that's not the only factor. So all I'm saying is don't put all your ducks in the same pond. Don't invest in one feature that you love and kind of open your eyes to some other possibilities and look what, if you're finding elk on that north slope, look at what else it has. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised at the things I kind of ran through there real quick. 
and what other elk finding features are there. And, uh, and then it starts to make more sense. So then when you see other slopes there, similar environments, you know that there's a reasonably good chance that I might find elk there. There's no guarantees in this. Guys, I've hunted areas that had, of the 12 elk finding features I talk about, it had 11 of them. And there was no elk there. Well, I mean, just like where I was getting into elk uh, in Montana on my 2019 hunt, um, you know, I found this great spot, and I had all of these features. Um, and you, and so I would get in there, and I would, I'm like, okay, they're going to be betting in this, these north-facing slopes. No, not even in the slightest. They were betting in the wide-out open where they could see absolutely everything for miles, and that was where they'd hang out. And then occasionally you'd see a, a bullard, satellite bull or two come into that north-facing slope and, like, pop through. But they wanted nothing to do with it. But there's a reason they're there. Yeah. And, but, that's not usual. The odds are, if you go to the south slope in the wide open during September, it's going to be poor for elk. Okay? It's going to yep. be a poor spot. But does that mean they're not there? Yeah. You just, you found them there. Okay? Everybody says this all the time. Elk are where you find them. All I'm telling you is that it's an odds game. Yeah. And I choose to play the odds like, if I'm going to buy a lottery ticket, and it's a million dollars, and I got a 1 in 500 chance of buying it, or I got a 1 in 5 million chance of buying it, which one are you going to buy for the same amount of money? Yeah. Okay? That's the way I look at some of this stuff. Like, you're going to win it. Somebody's going to win it with the 5 million people, but you're going to win it more often if you stick to the, the yeah. 1 in 500. And still be flexible enough, like you just said. Still be flexible enough to identify these abnormalities mm-hmm. wide open south slope during archery season. Well, and that's and and I'm saying that, and uh, I think we're saying the same thing because I was saying like all of those other features were present yeah, in oh, this so area. It was just, just the slope was weird. It was just they were over here because okay. it had it had that you. water source. I got you. It was you know, and it was it had all that other stuff. If they were bedded on the north slope, they would have had to travel all so the way across the north the slope. Was, that's the only feature. The other one maybe had six features. Exactly. So your exactly. Odds, okay, I, got, I didn't understand what you're saying. So in your case, you multiplied your odds because mm-hmm. they had other features. And they were kind of tolerating maybe a, a bet, not as good of a betting environment because they had all the other stuff. Yeah. It wasn't going to be as nice of a betting environment, but it also did give them Visit. a little more confidence and protection because they could see. Maybe the wolves were keeping them everywhere. in the open. And that, you know what, that area was full of coyotes. Maybe they just like to be there so keep an eye on, the, on that situation. Mm-hmm. And then when the, I would guess though that when the people, humans start showing up, you might have been the only dude in there, but let's say there's more dudes in there, they probably are going to move from that wide open mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Well, um, and they would, the second, they would, the second there was shooting light, they would already be moving. Okay. Like, you, 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 uh, you, before they would get onto the private, they knew right where the, I mean, you know how elk are. Yeah. They, they know right where the line of private is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I had, like, unless there were some wandering stragglers, I had maybe about a half an hour window at most that I had to be in place, and it was really hard to get there at just the right time. Yeah. Um, before they would, they would kind of come onto the, back onto the, the public again. They'd be getting up, they'd be moving. And then they'd be right onto the private. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's like the second, the second they were in any danger, they were gone. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was really interesting. Uh, I learned a lot from that, from being able to observe well, just how they were behavior. moving and, just and their behavior, their behavior yeah. what they're doing, how they're doing it. So see, that's I don't really have that as an elk finding feature, but 
private land, leveraging private land borders is a really, really, it's almost like an art. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the maps, you're looking at it just like everything else, guys. Elk don't like people. So when you're looking at private land borders, you know, you're like, okay, what is, what part of that border, even though I know they're going on to private, what part of that border is still more remote from the road? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where they're, that's more, I mean, the odds are higher. That's where they're going to be. Um, and what times are they going to be on private? Mm-hmm. How much time do they spend on public? And sometimes it takes setting back and finding a primo glassing spot if the country you're hunting is conducive to glassing and not getting rash, not running in there before you really understand what they're doing. Well, I mean, come in a day or two before your yeah. hunts if you can afford or to even, do that. even if you have to sacrifice a day, guys. Yeah. You know, Ryan killed a really spectacular bull in Nevada this year. He drew a nice tag. He drew that. Took him 15 days to kill it. And he kept texting me. And one of the things he just, I just kept saying, kill that thing. He goes, it's just not giving me the chance yet. I just got, he waited that bull out, lived with that bull, breathed with that bull, mm-hmm. slept with that bull. Not many dudes have that kind of staying power. Came home. He drove home to see his daughter's basketball game in Monta and drove back to Nevada, got back in the game and ended up killing that bull. He wouldn't have killed that bull. I don't think. I haven't talked to him a great deal about it, but I'm just making observations. He wouldn't have got that bull if he had charged in there, tried to do some calls on a big, giant herd bull yeah. like that. But patience, and then it gave him the opportunity. It gave him the wind, gave him the stock, dead bull, like usual. Yeah. Ryan Lampers is a special breed of really human being. You can't compare him to very But it's, it's the process I want yeah. you to understand. It's learning from – we can't all be Ryan Lampers, but we can learn from the things he does and learn that – process learn that well, patience a lot of guys will see a bull like plan, that yeah. and just like whoa and i got four hours of light i'm gonna run in there and try to make a play yeah and that's fine but you might only have one shot at a bull like that he smells you senses yep. you even i mean he just even thinks you're there a bull that mature is not a dumb bull no he's nine ten years old eight eight to ten years old he's played this game mm-hmm. and you might have one chance and I think Ryan knew that on this bull. He kept sending me pic. I knew he was bored because he kept <laughs> texting me phone scope pictures of. I'm like, good shots of this bull out in the running around. I'm like, dude, go shoot the thing. He's going to make a mistake. But man, other people I know, guys, I just know oh, yeah. they're going to be. Oh, another hunter's going to get on him. Oh, this. Oh, that. And there, that is a consideration. But he was hunting a low pressure unit. He knew that he probably. The odds were mm-hmm. he was going to be okay in that department, and he just waited that out, and uh, and it paid off. Yeah. So patience, aggression, but then there's also don't step back too long, guys. There's you, this, you've got to find that. Sometimes you got to step into it. Tightrope balance. Like calling between, out. Sometimes yeah. there's a time like you're calling, 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 and nothing's up. You got to make a move. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to you got to mix it up. They got to think something's happening. And I've seen too many guys set up and call from the same spot, never move, never in the bull. Uh, he doesn't spook off. He just loses interest. Yeah. And he just moves off. You know, I, He's done his business. He's and, yeah, ready he's like, to. Okay, you're not coming place. in. I haven't seen you. Something's weird. I'm not spooked, but I'm just, I'm going to move off. Yeah. I don't have time for this. And I've, I've dated women that are like that. Well, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, they just get, trying to drop hints and nothing ever happens. No, and so you just got to go. And, right. And then, and then <laughs> other times, you know, if you'd have charged in there and took a little bit of a chance, a little bit of a risk, got in his comfort out of his comfort zone, man, he might have gone nuts and ran right five yards from you. Yeah. So, you know, there's just there's a lot of tactics and 
you know, it, it, I've been hunting elk for 30 years, and the fact that we're even on this podcast talking about elk hunting is so incredible. Because when I started, there was none of this. Yeah. None. There was no such thing as podcast. I bought Google Earth. I'm not kidding. I had to be one of the first hunters that bought it because it wasn't designed for elk hunting, that's for sure. $399 I paid for Google Earth. Damn. In the early, I think it was early 2000s. So you think about that. That wasn't all that long ago, 21 years ago. Yeah. We did not have e-scouting capabilities till only about 20 years ago. And, you know, a lot of people say, man, when this, all the elk are going to be dead. Well, okay, we've got apps, right? We've got Google Earth. We've got inReaches. We've got radios now. We've got satellite imagery. We got, we're doing flyover. We got help. This, you know the success rate is almost the same? Mm-hmm. Hasn't hardly moved the needle. What's changed? The elk have changed. They're smarter. They're, they, they're dealing with people. They're dealing with wolves. They're dealing with grizzlies. They've adapted. They, they're getting on steeper slopes. They're moving less in the daylight. So we got to get smarter. So we've upped our game with technology, but they've upped their game. Mm-hmm. And it's evident by success rates. They really have not changed. I would argue that the success rates today are less than they were in the days. And we have more mm-hmm. elk today, thanks to conservation and hunting. And yep. there's more elk today than there was then. And success rates are the same or lower. It's hard to think about. It's, it doesn't surprise me, too, because you probably have, because of the accessibility and the technology, you have more people willing to get into the field and thinking that the technology is going to, I mean, it it is a tool like anything else, but tool. if you if you don't have the base bases to use that tool, then what are you going to do? And I think that's a huge reason why I, I would probably agree that those success rates are dropping. I don't know. I don't know if I go out and say drop. I'm or I should say, but they're certainly lower. The, the or needle hasn't down. moved up. You know, a little up, a little down. Depends on where you look. But it's not like it's fifty percent now and it was ten percent then. Yeah. So you brought up thing tools, guys. This is thing. So. Take it or leave it. When you work on your car, do you only use a screwdriver? Is that the only <laughs> tool in your toolbox? Why would your hunting app of choice, I'm not even going to name names because I'll offend somebody. Yeah. Whatever you choose, why would you only have one tool? I run into so many guys. Now, I'm not saying go out and buy every tool. But I'm saying investigate what they can do to well, where you're hunting. And what you're looking like, if you're doing private land a lot, you're doing what you, you're really dealing mm-hmm. private land borders. Guys, Onyx, is, it, it's, it's, it's the key yeah. when it comes to private land. It just is. But you're hunting checkerboard, you can see that. Clear. Right, and it's clear, and it's too concise. And now other ones have it. Other ones have private lands. But I really like it. I like it. But if you're in a super steep country, for example, and you really got to pick the best path, contour lines are important. You need to be able to see how close they are. You need a 20-foot contours. Well, that, it's not on X. It might be Gaia. Gaia has the 7.5-minute USGS topographic map layer. Mm-hmm. So my point is, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other. I'm just saying some are good at some things. Here's what I always tell them. You can do every, you can, every one of these hunt apps is good enough. It's good enough. But none of them do everything. Yeah. So... Well, it's just like I we talked about, you know, I forge knives. Yeah. And it, so, you know, I I go in, I'm forging a knife. 
I don't just use one hammer. Yeah, I was going to say. It's like I have like three different hammers. I have a cross-peen hammer when I want to draw out one way. I have a straight-peen hammer. I have a, a, a rounding hammer. I have a, all of these different but hammers. But did you just decide, did you just um, say, I'm just going to go get these hammers? You studied what other, you, mm-hmm. you researched. And I found out what each of them does. And you learned and, it. And here's the thing. I can take a basic blacksmithing hammer and I can make a knife. You like can you get said, it done. I can get it done. It's good enough. But is it your best knife? But it's not going to give me the best quality. It's not, and it's going to be a lot harder to get done specific things. So like you said, picking out a path. I can, can do that on Onyx. But it's going to be a lot harder. It just doesn't have the zoom quality. Exactly. And so what a lot of guys have done is, you know, a lot of guys listen here have used Google Earth. A lot of people have. Yeah. But most, a lot of people have drifted away from it because these apps have 3D. They have a little bit of tilt. They have fire layers. They have some things. But guys, I'm telling you, I showed an image today of 2020 imagery in Google Earth. I mean, you can't read license plates, but it's damn close. Now, not everywhere has those image qualities, but you can see air conditioner units on the top of campers, and you can see if the door was open on the camper or not. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, you can't pick out what kind of prints they are, but I've seen, like, print see trails. In- well, yeah, well, I've just showed an example of actually showing elk in the pasture. Yeah. You know, people have seen that around, but, uh, uh, but my point is, there's certain things in East County that high resolution is, when you're looking at a trail, and you're trying to determine how much access, mm-hmm. how many people are hiking on this trail. Well, dang it. Use Google Earth. Zoom in the maximum zoom. You'll see, is it brown? Is it worn? Or is it all grass? Is it one line, one little ribbon? Or is it multiple ribbons? Is it, um, is it patchy, like a little brown, little grass, little brown? Can you see it at all? Does it look like a freaking highway? Mm-hmm. And just doing that gives you insight into what to expect is that the end all of end alls is that a reason to go in an area no it's one of the things that we talk about in the course but it's one of the things you're going to chip away mm-hmm. okay now i got an idea of pressure looks kind of it looks pretty light why is it light in the example we were looking at i asked him i said okay we're looking at this trail guys we're zoomed in tight can't hardly see it it's just barely visible and I said, I can tell you right now why that trail may not be used. I don't know for sure. I'm just making an observation. Why that trail may not be used. Can anybody tell me? They looked and looked. Everybody's like, finally, one guy in the back said, is that, are those gray trees? Is that beetle kill? And I'm like, that's beetle kill. Mature beetle kill. Very mature. So I would bet that that trail has got a lot of down timber. Because then I went back mm-hmm. in Google Earth using the historical alignment. And I looked back and started in 2009. So what is that? That's a 12, 13-year-old beetle kill. I started, I could see the brown trees. Okay, I could yeah. see the year that the beetles killed the pine, the pine trees or spruce trees, whatever. I could see the year they got started killing them. So 12 years later, from my research, I know a lot of those trees are starting to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. So my assumption is maybe, maybe, maybe one of the reasons that trail is not used that much is because it's a freaking nightmare. So does that mean anything? Yeah. So when you show up at that trailhead now and you start hiking down that trail, you know there's probably going to be deadfall. And what are you Are you mad? Are you upset? Are you worried? No, because you know it's there. You're ready for it. Your mind is prepared. Mm-hmm. But how many times have you showed up to a spot and you're like, holy sh-. 
this is so steep or this is this or this is that. You're like, this ain't what I thought, you know, and there's ways to, to do it. But sometimes it takes that really high quality zoom. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I know on a podcast that's hard to describe, but no, I think, I mean, I think it was super clear. Um, so my point is there's a time to use that tool. And then there's a time on X is great. There's a time the other ones are great. So I use about four or five different tools um, during my e-scouting year, and then I merge all my data. I organize it. I don't color code it. I don't assign waypoint icons. Mm-hmm. I don't do any of that until I move it in to whatever hunt platform that I'm going to use as my primary tool. Yeah. And every hunt I use, not every hunt, but I use different tools for different. I use Onyx for the, certain things. I use Guy, go different things. And I bring my waypoints into that platform, and I change all the stuff in there. And then I export it out of there and put it in my backup. It, it's simple. So it's this process. It's a step-by-step process. And this is all detailed out in the course. I spend um, a lot of time on data because that's where guys have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Managing their data, moving it from platform to platform. What format do I use? Can I export folders? How should I organize it? Mm-hmm. Um, should I put all this, this you know, so there's a lot of tips, and I'm, that's one of the areas I'm going to add even more um, in that because I do get a lot. The guys are real interested in that because let's face it: if you've been elk hunting for four or five years, you got a lot of data on your systems. Yeah, and uh, and it, your organizational skills are starting to become more important. If you've gone out one elk trip and you went to Colorado and you went to one unit, well, you probably only have a few pins in one unit. You know your organizational. Yeah. skill set isn't maybe as important <laughs> but once you start getting in a few years and you start doing four or five hunt but you know four or five hunt areas that organizational skill set becomes important yeah so <clears throat> because i want to be self-serving okay. that's the whole reason i started this podcast i mean let's face Dude, it you, you get a chance to bring on anybody <laughs> you want to pick their brains awesome it's it and actually before i hop into this i am going to say if you guys do want to check out the course it's treelineacademy.com and uh, if you use code TWI I think it's 20 bucks off yes um, so make sure you check that out yeah um, TWI yeah so so check that out it is honestly you know we're going to talk a little bit about some of this stuff but this I mean if you guys have listened to my prior podcast with Mark or you know you know the knowledge that comes with this it is you know well thanks well 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 worth the the price of admission um but so like i was saying because this is self-serving you know say somebody just moved to a new area of montana <laughs> you know they're and like they like they didn't know what they were doing they moved up on the border it's, oh geez yeah it's minus into the middle of nowhere yeah what where about you can literally like see their house for five miles away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what um, about a guy like that? So, you know, say he's like, okay, you know, there's some mountain range there's over here and over here, but like new area, just brand spanking new. And I want to find, I want to find some spots around home. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. I know I'm still driving probably two hours, whatever it happens to be two, three hours, but like, I want to find some hunt spots at home, some spots to check out. Where do I even begin to start researching? Well, in your this? case, I happen to know this guy. And He's kind of a dick, though, so yeah. I don't know how much advice you want to give so him. So here's the thing: I already know one thing: the elk population up there is not as high as other areas. So 
you're looking for fewer numbers of animals in huge expanses of space. But the good news is there's only so much elk habitat in that area. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we've been able to narrow it down pretty good. Now we have to pick that apart very specifically because there's not a lot of, to go around. But we also know that the ones that are there can get very freaking big mm-hmm. because they, they can live a long time. They can, and we also know we're going to be working with private land borders a lot. And so we're going to have to just accept that, and we're going to use it as a bit. We're going to look at it as an asset instead of a negative. It's not going to be hiking 15 miles into the wilderness, okay? It's not going to be in that area. There might be a few areas like that. And we're going to have to look for elk in areas that traditionally most people think elk don't live, in coolie country. In con- people, like, people are blown away at the size and the quantity of elk that live in the Missouri River Breaks every year. Mm-hmm. Because, and I hope I didn't just ruin the Missouri River Break. Nobody pays attention to me anyway. But there's a lot. <laughs> I've never hunted the Missouri River Breaks. And the only reason I have it is because I like hunting the mountains for elk. I don't want to be in rattlesnake country. I don't want to be in thorny brush cactuses unless I draw an Arizona tag. Yeah. Um, I haven't been lucky enough for that yet. But um, you get, so we got to adjust our tactics a little. But now the elk finding features are really important, Sam, now, because we are looking for a handful of elk in a range. They're there. We got to drill down. And we got to really look for the spots that have the most features. And as we drop our pins, remember, as we drop our waypoints and we identify, what we're looking for is clusters. Spots that we're seeing, oh, look over here. I got 10 pins right here. But I've only got three pins over here. I use a so when I find a spot I'm really excited about, I use a star. Mm-hmm. It's a I call it a prime spot. It doesn't matter what feature it is, like if it's a bench or it doesn't matter. So I color code my benches and slopes, and and uh, saddles and canyon, different things for different colors. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. Your own system. But I use these stars for spots that I just think look exceptional, no matter what they are. And what I'm looking for for myself personally is I'm looking for spots that have two or three of those stars, four of those stars. And I got a spot over here with one star. That doesn't mean I won't go over there. But remember the odds thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the most stars. And then when I do my – I prepare a hunt plan that has my hunt. I call it progress route. I may deviate from it. I don't – but I have a plan where my camp is and where I'm going to progress, where my second camp is, where my third camp is, if I'm going to do that tactic. And if I do that, I try to say, I'm going to hit this cluster of waypoints first, then I'm going to hit this, then I'm going to hit that, then I'm going to hit this. And I organize it based on priority. But you don't know that priority until you do the work. Mm-hmm. And try not to get so fixated. Like, I know guys that look, oh, this is, this is it. This is the spot. And they become so convinced that this is the elk honey hole of all elk honey holes. And when they see spot number two, they don't really, they're jaded. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. They're not looking at it with the same eyes that they looked at spot one. Because they're just sure spot one is, but they listen to Mark's podcast. They listen to you. They listen to the Wild Initiative. Mark said F3. Don't go on a hunt without three. But he is so banking on number one that he waxes over and glosses over number two and three. And then he gets there. One didn't turn out to be that awesome. And two is not developed. And three is not even close. Yeah. 
Well, and that's one thing I, I always like when I do start looking at those spots. I try and get as like almost as myopic as possible when I'm looking for the features because then I'm, I'm less likely to do that. I'm, less, I'm like going around, I'm picking apart features. I'm, I'm way in and I'm not, I'm not like zoomed out thinking like, oh man, you're not already seeing those clusters until you've kind of you've scanned kind of done the whole it, then area. Back up. Then you back up and you're like, then you can feel a little more confident, but you're also still likely to grab that second spot, and you already have it developed. Where you see maybe two instead of a, the, a big cluster of stars, you see two, and then you, you know you can pull the you can pull those so, apart. You know, you said something really important. I don't even know if I talk about this, of course, but this is a, the way I do it. You said it perfectly. I don't even really know if you realize that. So I start out my East Scouting big picture. You know, I'm looking at national forest maps, yeah. looking at roads, just seeing how's it lay out. Where's the pressure coming from? I call it zones of pressure. One of the first things I do in an area that I'm interested in is um, what's the pressure look like? Then I'm big picture, and I start looking at just not getting in the weeds, and I just get, and I drop a pin here. And what I've started doing is using the polygon tool. Okay. So you know what, that, that, where you can draw an outline, like yeah. an area. So instead of dropping a waypoint now, I drop a polygon tool. Like I, I'm interested in that. And I'll tell you why in a second. I drop the polygon tool over here. I'm, I'm going to come back to that. Oh, this spot. I'm dropping polygon here. Polygon here. Polygon here. All over. And um, this is important. Pay attention to this. I think I know where this is going, and so, I'm really excited about um, it. <laughs> I drop these polygons. And then I start digging in and putting detail in. When I'm done with the detail, I do just what you said. You back out. And you start looking at clusters and, and all that. But if you do the polygons, guys, you can turn off all your polygons with one mm-hmm. click. So remember, in most of these apps, you can click on and off all your waypoints. You can click on and off your routes. And you can click on and off your, your areas, areas. Or polygons. Or- so, but it's a pain to kind of go through and individually turn everything off. So I've got any hunting app that allows it. I can go in in one click, turn every polygon off so it's not bothering me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking for an area again, and I knew I was looking at this unit, I want to see the polygons I put in before, turn on my polygon layer, boom, they're all right there sitting there. Well, it, and it's with really those money. polygons, too, a lot of the times you'll end up with them, you can almost like a Venn diagram. Yeah. So you can see them overlapping, well, too. It's the same as the clusters of waypoints. Yeah. All of a sudden, over on this side of the mountain, you got three polygons that you're interested in. And there's just one over here. That doesn't mean this one's not the best. It's just... I think you guys, I hope you're seeing the picture here is the polygons are helping us. The clusters are helping us. The features are helping us. The hunt plan's helping us. The zones of pressure analysis is helping us. It's not all, one of them is not winning the game. Yeah. It takes the whole team. It's like a team sport. The quarterback ain't going to win it. You know, Brady, whether you like him or not, he's, he's a badass. And, but he can't do it by himself. And, that's the same thing. One thing in your e-scouting, getting one dimension on whatever you like to do. Let's say you geek out on motor vehicle use roads, which is, you got a problem. But let's say you are geeked out on that. Well, that's in, that's important, but it ain't, they're going to help you find the elk. It's just going to help you know where the people are. Yeah. And that's important when you get to the other steps of the process. So it, you know, I guess I can leave you with that part of it is like, it's a step through process. And I'll tell you in my course, now that I'm two years in, I can see the progress of all the students. Everyone, like every video they've looked at, maybe I shouldn't say this is kind of like spying on them. <laughs> I can see if they watch the whole video, if they watch half of it, mm-hmm. 
so many dudes skip past all these modules and they go right to the elk finding features you know they skip the zones of pressure they skip the hunt planning they skip the core hunt areas they skip the basic needs of elk they skip some of these i mean limitations expectations realities those are those are important and then they go right to well where are the elk at so i don't want to know anything else and then they get in their, this area, and maybe there's, a, and they can't figure out why there's four thousand dudes in their spot. <laughs> it's because they walked in five miles, but they didn't look close enough. There was a road right behind the ridge. Mm-hmm. I had that me one time. I was hunting one store. I hate to admit this. I packed it seven miles with my llamas, and this was recently. And I didn't give it. I didn't look at it that close. I was so. This is money spot. I hike in up and down up, get in there, and I'm at camp. I go out to hunt first night. I run into this dude wearing jeans. <laughs> he's wearing Levi's. And I'm not making fun of him, but he's wearing a Walmart coat, wearing jeans, crappy boots, Tasco binoculars with a trad bow. Nothing wrong with trad. But I'm like, I ran into him in the meadow, and I'm like, hey, what's happening? I'll make see you. Yeah, it's, I've heard a couple. Okay, yeah. Where'd you come from? Oh, man, my car's parked right over the, right over the ridge. <laughs> I'm like, what the... So even I got screwed because I didn't vet the zones of pressure properly. Because I looked at all, I looked, oh, I don't want to say the app. I looked at an app, didn't show anything open. But if I looked at another app, they did have it open. Mm-hmm. But it was a seasonal road. It wasn't open all the time. So it got dropped, it got, it got overlooked by whoever was doing it. Yeah. Well, cost me two days. I had to move to plan B. Not because of him, because everybody was coming at that point. Yeah. It was a popular takeoff spot. Wasn't just he was. I was happy with him, but I knew right away that I was wait. I was a half a mile from a road, a open road, and I'm like, this ain't gonna fly. So you know, but if I'd have done the due diligence and done my work, I would have, I would have identified that. Yeah, it's you know one of the one of the interesting things about this too is you know we focus on elk. You know, this is gener- is really focused specifically on elk. But honestly, probably like 80 plus percent of all of this stuff can be applied to mule deer. Yeah. To bear. Especially the technology. To, like so much of that the is the technological side levels of stuff. for bear is money oh in that gosh, course. Yeah. Just how to look at live snow, how to look at where the, how deep it is. Most people don't even know that exists. You can look at how deep the snow is right now in any area you want to look at mm-hmm. without leaving your house, without even looking at a weather channel, without calling anybody. And so there's just so many things. Which I've got a buddy coming out for a spring bear hunt. It's his first hunt. And uh, dear heavens, I'm taking him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that poor bastard. <laughs> but, you know, like, and, and so I'm really invested. The pressure's on for scouting yeah, now for me. You, like, you, no, you get... Sometimes I think for ourselves, we, we let it go yeah. a little bit because it's like, okay, we I'm going there, out. No like, We're not investing anything. And I'm like, I'm the only one that's disappointed if I see. But, like, the, my buddy's investing. He's buying gear. He's coming yeah. up. Yeah. And he's relying on me to find some effing bears for him to shoot. Yeah. Um, and, like, I mean, it can, be, it can be the size of a small Labrador, and we'll be fine with it. Like, he just wants the experience. But I'm, this year, like... I'm extra invested in that, uh, even for the spring season. He's counting so on that, you. Yeah, that part because somebody else is counting on me, and that means the. Well, you need to revisit on. the late season out module because you're going to love that snow yep. stuff. Yep. Especially in Montana because it's all dependent on snow melt and where that's at. And, 
And from your house, it's so hard. I mean, what are you going to do? In the past few years, who, with the weather, who knows what it's going to be like. That's exactly can, right. Dude, I've seen years where I can get to a spot on May 15th. Other years, there's two feet. There's no way you're driving there. Yeah. So looking at trailers, is there snow there that time of year? And then going back, you can go back and look five years. So what I try to do, if I'm going to late season, if I'm going to drive to spot A, I look at five years of where the, they got all the historical day and times. On this day in 19, not 19, in 2020, you can look at the snow level. And then I'd be impressed if you could see the 1920 yeah, snow level. That you, would be. And you keep looking back five years, and if there's no snow there in five years, I'm like, okay, there's a reasonably good chance that I can get there. Yeah. But if four out of five, it's snow covered, then then Likelihood might is not low. be able to do it. Yeah. So, But most don't even know that exists. That you can look at one point in time, one date in time, for five years in a row. And then you can look at live. So live doesn't help you, right? Yeah. Because you're looking for your buddy coming coming up. In a few months, So you yeah. need to dig into some of the historical stuff on a, the week or the whatever time frame you're going. And only look maybe at one to start. And when you start finding spots you're interested in, then kind of compare and see what the years have been. Mm-hmm. So good tip. I think they're going to kick us out of here for too long. Yeah, soon enough. I don't, yeah, I don't have no idea when... Uh when this is it's, supposed to end. It, but, it ends uh, at 7, so we're like... Oh, there we go. we got like two, two minutes. Two minutes. Um, but so, uh, you know, what? Uh, give us a little more of an, of an overview of some of the things people can expect coming, like, to find in Treeline Academy and some okay, of, so like, the, well, the, first the critical thing, things that yeah, they'll Yeah, so the first thing you can do to kind of check it out if you want is just go to treelineacademy.net. I've got quite a bit of information on the page. And then you can sign up as a, a member, okay, without signing up for the course. And you can... Um, Download a comparison. If you if you if you want to know about a hunting app, okay, I just finished up a comparison chart, and I evaluate eighty five features of all the top hunting apps, what they have, what they don't. It's pretty brutal. I mean, it's pretty. They got it or they don't. So if you want to just take a look, dude. Nobody, I'm, nobody's ever done that. Like when you see comparisons, they're always done by the company, right? Yeah. And they're always done in their benefit. But this is a third party analysis of all of the major hunting apps. So that's one thing you can get for free. There's a couple articles. You can read a little about, about me and my history and what the course is all about. And then you can try the course, guys. It's got a 100% money-back guarantee. If you take that course and you do less than 25% of the course, which is freaking five hours of training. I was going to say, there's a lot of content in there. There's so almost 25% 30 hours. is a lot of. So if you, I give you 25%. If you call me up and say, it just ain't for me. I, it's not over my head. 100%. No questions asked refund. So I'm, I haven't given one yet. I'm be glad to do it when mm-hmm. that day happens. Now, somebody will probably do it today just, <laughs> just, to, be, just to show me. And, <laughs> and that's fine. I, guys, I didn't create this as a business. Now, it's nice that it has turned into one. But I wish people would have shared some stuff with me when I started elk hunting. So I'm, I'm, hap- I'm really enjoying doing it. And, um, and if it can help you out, I'm, I, I love it. I re- it's, been a, it's been almost like a work of passion. You know, it's, it's something I really love. And, guys... You've talked about this before, but as hunters, if we don't support and protect what we do, look what's happening with the bears everywhere. So we gotta we gotta all band together, and some of that, not sharing hunting spots, just giving a little education so you can develop your own hunting spots. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. No, I mean it's amazing seeing this, and like even in the past five years, I'm like coming up. At ba- I mean, coming up basically right around this time five years ago was when I started hunting, and. Yeah, that sounds about right. Five, six, something like that. I started the podcast five years ago at least. Um, You know, just watching the development and availability of information from that time to now. Yeah. Because, like, 
like you know elk 101 had just come out like Corey had started his course and so then and there was a lot of podcasts and you know um brian was running his podcast and i was fan i remember fanboying the first time i met that yeah. dude and, um, so that's what you make up like, a good point let's so let's say it, the course is 119 dollars you say oh it's i gotta think about it you know whatever money set whatever guys but you do get 20 dollars off if get, you yeah you do but TWI. i hate to say this but on my page there's a button that says podcasts and resources i've been on almost 60 podcasts including the one we did mm-hmm. it's in that list guys by the time you go through three or four of those podcasts in that list, and they're all easy organized for you, topics, who they are, everything, you're going to know if that course is going to be for you oh, or yeah. not. So I highly recommend check out a few of those. I just did a really fun podcast with the Elk Bros guys. Those guys are nuts, so nuts. And it was fun. And now we got this podcast out, some recent ones this year. But yeah, check out a few more. And- we definitely delved into some stuff on this one. The last one we did, I mean, we talked. Oh, we, we got we knocked a lot out like of details. three hours. Almost. Yeah, and some details, like, like really specific. We're at a show and we're kind of, you know, setting up here on the stage. Everybody's looking at me, giving me the middle finger, <laughs> um, saying it's time to go. And so we cover some things, get you interested. Yeah. Go back and listen to the old show, definitely. Yeah, check out the other podcasts. Check out some of those. I mean, you will get a taste of what you're going to get in the course. You know, I want you to know what you're getting into before you do it. So yeah. do it. They're yeah. free. They're available. Linked. Everything's easy. You can get to them. Enjoy it. And it's like, you know, the nice thing is, again, we're looking for those features. We can use it for lots of different species, if you will. But that's, uh, that time I'm scouting for bear, that's not wasted time for elk. Like, I'm going to be picking out elk features. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those features are going to be crossing over. It's not wasted time. So there's no reason... You know, and especially if you're planning on taking going through this course in depth, do it now. Yeah, it's don't now. You got don't time. You're not under pressure. Yeah, you're not like I got to get through it. I got to get through it, guys. It takes most people over a week. Yep. Even if they if they do a lot every day. So um, yeah, and, they, and it's not something you just go through once. Like I've got guys you on go the back and third you time. go through refreshers. You're like, okay, and, I, and it's organized like yeah. that, so you can go back and find things pretty easy. I hope I'm going to try to do even a little better job of that. So. Man, it's been great. Thanks awesome. for having we're me, bro. Glad we were able to uh, to sync up, do this again. Thanks good for seeing you, man. I've seen you since the summit, yeah, so it's been a while. Been following those knives. Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to commission one once the waiting list comes down. There we go. There we go. We'll talk uh, about it. We'll talk. All about right, it. man. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of the Wild Initiative. <laughs> make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Also, make sure to go to treelineacademy.net. Use code TWI. Sign up for Treeline Academy. Thank you all for joining. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. 